Hey guys, Henny Morton from Flip Normals here, and in today's episode, we have a very special guest from us. <laughs> we're sitting here with, uh, we're actually sitting at, at Deenig now, where we used to work like just a month ago. And uh, it's been a month. <laughs> <laughs> we're now sitting here with uh, one of our friends, uh, Harriet, who's, Hello. who's a recruiter at Deenig. Uh, she was actually the one who hired both Morton and I, so uh, you might say the tables have turned now. <laughs> <laughs> People were asking if we, we were coming here to interview you for a job. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. We, don't, we, we don't want your jobs anymore. <laughs> we can't afford to hire anyone. Anyways, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so this is just going to be like a fairly relaxed conversation mm. with an actual recruiter who knows what they're talking about, <laughs> where we just... Um, we're just talking about some general stuff like hiring practices and some showreel stuff. Yeah. And just some general stuff around that. Yeah. Do so, you want to maybe give an introduction? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Harriet um, and I've been working at DNA for almost five years. Um, I started out as a recruitment administrator and over the last four and a half years have worked my way up um, through to looking after almost... Um, at least some point along the way, almost every department that we have here at DNEG, whether it was for a short amount of time or extensive. But at present, I currently look after all the entry level routes into the business. So um, all our green light programs, so apprenticeships, internships, graduate schemes and running um, and junior roles across like editorial accounts and that kind of thing. Mm. So a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff. And there's loads more as well. Yeah. Important person. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're not really going to do super tight, hard-hitting questions yeah. where we're talking about all kind of crazy stuff. It, but it, we just want to start off with one which is something I think maybe the most common question we get, which is, doesn't formal education matter? And I don't mean, this, should you go to school? I just mean... If you have a bachelor degree, mm-hmm. are you and and some somebody has the same portfolio who does not have a bachelor degree, will you have a real advantage there, or do you just not care at all about somebody's formal degree? Not really. Um, we've had it before where I've hired people that have been completely self-taught. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the role that you're essentially applying for. If you're going for a senior role, I mean, that's you know across everything. If you're going for a senior role and yet the experience that you have just isn't at that level, then of course you're not going to be considered for the role. But no, I think, as I said, we've had people that have come from being self-taught, lots of people coming from fine art backgrounds and being actual hands-on sculptors Mm. that have then started getting into the computer side and maybe just been doing it online self-study. So no, I don't think it's really important. What it's essentially down to is um, the showreel itself and you as a candidate, mm. whether that means you've come from a master's degree or you've just been sitting at home online teaching yourself, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That seems fairly aligned with what we've seen as well. Yeah. I work with people here, I mean, at Dina, who, <laughs> yeah. like some guys literally have PhDs and yeah. some guys, which is insane to me, but and some guys have, some guys have nothing. And as far as I know, that doesn't really impact hiring processes no. or your salary or like essentially no. any of that it's, it's also like i think just what it comes down to is just your skills yeah like, absolutely that's what we're looking for at the end of the day your cv says so much about you but then your showreel is kind of the important bit to get that side across but yeah. also when we sit and ha- have an interview with someone how do we feel like they're going to fit into the team you know yeah. they might be extremely senior on paper and on their showreel but you meet them and you just don't see them fitting into the team, mm-hmm. we're not going to disrupt the, the team that we've got at the moment 
just based on the fact that they're an amazing artist. They mm. need to fit into the role that they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So how how does the whole process work if you want to apply here? Like going from like how do you apply to like interview process? Mm -hmm. just, can you just take, a th take us through? Yeah, that? I'll kind of go through it relatively quickly because it can be quite lengthy. <laughs> um, so the best way to apply to DNEG is online through our website. We do get people getting in touch over email, but their response is always going to be get an application website. online. <laughs> yeah. And that's only because it means that everything we've got from you is on our database, like your CV, your covering letter, mm. your showreel link. And also there are several questions that we tend to ask, depending on the role that you're applying for, that just help us as well get a bit more information from you. So if you're just emailing your CV in, we're not necessarily going to get that from you. Mm. So that's the best way to do it. Once you've applied online, the respective talent acquisition partner who are the recruiters, then picks up that application. So whoever is responsible for hiring for that department will review your work. Mm -hmm. um, if it's an application where you don't need a CV, uh, sorry, a showreel, then it will just be down to your CV and covering letter. Um, but if it is based on a showreel, then of course we'll have an initial look at it. Um, but the team um, in talent, we're not artists. So there's only so much that we can gauge. You know, we can tell a, a bad reel, you know, they're fairly obvious. Yeah. But the ones um, that are sort of mid up, we're not, we don't have the eye for telling kind of mm, what's yeah. really good or not. So we'll kind of make sure that they maybe fit into the requirements that we've got based on everything else. And then they go out for a real review where we've got selected people in the business who have been trained how to look at everything on the system and they essentially review you as an artist mm. and say, yep, this person's got a great showreel or no, they'd need to improve significantly, whatever it might be. Um, from there, if it's if it's a good, good thing, then we have a pre-screen with them. So that's with the talent acquisition partner responsible for that department again, where it's very informal, about a half an hour phone call, um, just to find out a bit more about your experience in a bit more detail. So we've essentially then got almost like a mini profile to go to the artist manager and hiring manager of those roles mm. and say, look, this is Mickey Mouse. He's done this for this many years. He's worked on these kind of projects. He uses this software. This is when he can start. These are salary expectations. So they have a bit more of an understanding of them as a person. If they then, if their availability fits in with our needs, if their showreel is good, if they're using the right softwares, mm then that artist manager will then interview that candidate, usually face-to-face, -face, or if they're outside the UK or can't make it to London, then over Skype, just so, again, you get more of a good interaction with them. Mm. So if somebody is not from from London and can't locally be here, would that then be an issue for... No, so. no, it's absolutely fine. What we have to take into consideration is whether they need a visa. Mm. Um, if they do and we know that they're applying for a role that those needs are urgent, we just have to take into, into consideration, are they actually going to be able to get their visa in time for them to start the role mm -hmm. for when it starts at DNEG? If not, that doesn't mean they're a no. It just means that we'll think, okay, this person's visa is going to take four weeks to get. Therefore, we need to think four weeks ahead of the start time to get in touch with them and make them an offer. Mm. It has nothing to do with whether you're in or in the UK or outside of it. No. Um, does that like does that if you have two sort of similar candidates, mm -hmm. one requires a visa and one doesn't? Would you typically go for the one who doesn't because it's easier to? If get it them? means 
the, if it's for the role that starts sooner, yeah, yeah. Um, and it means that they're going to be able to get here quicker, then yes, mm-hmm. we do tend to go for that. If you've got two people, and for some whatever reason, the the candidate that does need a visa for whatever area of their application does come off as a stronger candidate, then no, we'll hire the stronger yeah. candidate. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah. just have to make sure that we've got enough time to actually get them a visa, to get them starting on the roll. And we've had it before where delays have happened that have been out of our hands, been out of the candidate's hands, and we've just had to make sure we're keeping up with the schedule mm. and we're updating the hiring team to say, look, this person's visa's been delayed, they're not going to be able to start until next week, mm. and they just update it. So yeah. we're always communicating. Cool. So when, when you issue, just for the visa stuff like that, is that typically... Like people that stay here for a longer time because you have to go through the visa process and get them a visa? Mm. Is that usually or...? No, we, we hire people that need visas for three-month contracts. Okay. Um, we'll, depending on the role that you're going into, there are two types of visas you can get. Tier two, which are for more strategic hires. So if you want someone to be in the business for like three years. Yeah. And then tier five, which you can apply up to 12 months initially and then you can extend that certainly for an additional 12 months and maybe even a further 12. So we would say, okay, we've got a three-month contract for you, come in. As we get closer to that, we would extend their contract, maybe if we had the work, and mm. we'd simply update the visa end date. Mm. And our, okay. we've got a specialist in, who sits in with us in talent who deals with all our global mobility, and okay. she's a visa genius. <laughs> um, and once they're in the building and they're hired and they're here yeah. she then becomes their contact from that side and she makes sure that we're doing everything that we need to do you know as per the government's requests okay. and stuff cool. um so your visa's always in line with your contract and then it's a case of just updating it and extending it when 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 we can okay cool. i have a point here like uh which we had a question here which was um, are foreigners considered and here i don't mean just like you have to be in a country but There were a bunch of people who were just afraid that, what if I'm Swedish or like <laughs> from a different country, then I'm not from the UK. Yeah. I mean, then will I be considered for it? And like, I just want to make a point here. This is like one of the most diverse industries I've ever seen. Yeah. Like what we, if you're sitting anyone in the rooms here at Dinek and anyone, any other studio, you're sitting with like 10 different nationalities, yeah. different skin colors, different background, different yeah. ages. Yeah. It is, it is diverse in pretty much every single way you can think of. Yeah. Is there, but is there, uh, so, because I know they have this in Canada. Yeah. with hiring um, like priority hires within the country first like looking for talent within the country first yeah. if you can't find that yeah. then you can hire out yeah so Canada ha- they're more restricted when it comes to that okay. kind of thing ah, so yes okay. they do have to look at Canadian talent over everything else right, okay. it's a bit different in London so it's a lot easier for us so Canada struggle um, a lot more to hire Indian nationals than we do here okay. in London. So if they've got a good candidate in Vancouver that they're talking to and it turns out that they require a visa because they're Indian, they'll either send them to our Indian locations or even here in London because it's a lot oh, easier for us. Okay. It's still a lengthy pro- process, but it's fine. Um, in terms of your question, Henning, um, it doesn't matter where you are in, no. the, UK, in the world. <laughs> no. um, as long as you're being realistic with the job that you're applying for, The restrictions that we have here in London with visas is there's a minimum salary that you mm. have to offer that person. So because that's at a certain level, anyone below that, based on their experience, isn't we're not able to consider. So that mm. is that does mean people wanting to come in 
as runners or as graduates or, you know, just junior artists in general, we can't consider. Mm. And that's not because of us. It's because of the restrictions in place set out by the government, um, which is heartbreaking to tell a lot of people. You know, we get so many people that come from international countries, um, you know, doing masters or studying here and they're not told how difficult it's then going to be once they graduate and they're no longer on a student visa. Um, and quite often I've been the only person or the first person to tell them how oh. how it's not possible. And you can just see their hearts breaking in front that's, of you. I think that's um, pretty important to know. I had, I had no idea yeah. that was the case. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, it's all respe- respective of the salaries. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And if you're, if you're a graduate and actually, yes, your work is like, okay, you are at this level... <laughs> then fine, but realistically that doesn't happen often. It's not, no. But then in terms of visas, at least if you're in the European Union, at least for now. For now. (laughs) (laughs) Until they screw up even more. uh, At least then you're fine in terms of any of the UK studio. Yeah, yeah. So then, so countries then which would require visa, I guess would be India, um, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, the US. The US. China. Um, do, you have a lot of, do you have a lot of Chinese uh, applicants coming over? Um, we talk. I've I, personally, I've been chatting to yeah, quite quite a few people from China recently. Because mm. there's um, a lot of they're coming. Like there's a lot of like I see a lot of people online now posting from China. It's like it's, yeah. like, it's growing. Yeah, very yeah. talented yeah. people. Yeah, base effects um, is huge over in mm. China at the moment, and it worked the way that obviously in recruitment it works. You know, you talk to someone, you hire them, and it's like, right, who do you know? Yeah. Who can we hire out of your friends? <laughs> yeah. And so as soon as, you know, you start getting people from those locations, it then does sort of have that snowball effect mm. where they can recommend people that they've worked with previously. Yeah, yeah. We can get in touch with them, have those conversations, and, you know, essentially hire them yeah. as well. So, cool. yeah, it kind of snowballs like that. So we got a bit off track here talking about visas and stuff. But <laughs> so where we're at is you had a phone interview with a candidate. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. So <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it's uh, is this a, is this a flowing conversation? Yeah. Um, so once you once you have your Skype or face to face interview mm-hmm. with the artist manager, um, again those respective recruiters and teams have weekly catch ups to go through all the people that they've spoken to. Um, compare that against the CS and the requirements that we know we've got and will then basically start thinking about who they want to make offers to. Mm-hmm. Um, the artist manager then comes to the recruiter with the, the contract dates, um, the salary that you know they would look at very careful based on the team that that person would be coming into and how that balances out with, um, with the people that they'd be working with. Um, do they need a visa? Are we offering relocation based on that? Mm-hmm. So they'll give us all the information and then the talent acquisition partner calls the candidate and talks them through that information. Cool. Um, if for any reason then there's a negotiation process, again, that recruiter will go between the candidate and the department to, to you know come to an offer that both parties are happy with. Um, and then we send them an offer they they accept hopefully um, <laughs> and you know if they're outside the UK or international hires and we're offering relocation then it would be a case of then assisting with that and supporting them with visa application processes so we have um, immigration lawyers that we use um, so they're all external but would then be that point of contact and then they would update DNEG on how the application is going um, and 
if we're supporting flights and accommodation as well, then that process continues on from there. Once they start at DNEG, talent wash their hands of them um, <laughs> and they've become HR's responsibility. And we never and, see you again. Yeah, yeah, we don't, yeah, I didn't see you for like two years here. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't get rid of you. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Harriet. <laughs> so, and then obviously HR look after their, their hmm. employee care and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I was thinking about, um, for because this, this is something I've been thinking about ever since I started working when it comes to covering letters. Yes. So, um, in my world, it's always been like, gee, okay, now I just got to get this over with because yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, I have my showreel. This is what I want to do. Yeah. You were talking about, like, you have this sort of base, um, sort of like, eye. That you, look, yeah. you look at the, the reels, you're like, okay, this is good enough to, 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 go through. to go through. Yeah. How important do you see covering letters being, like, when you... So obviously, Be honest, <laughs> being the person <laughs> that looks <laughs> after, yeah, that looks up. So covering letters are really important, in my opinion, for people that don't have professional experience. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, their CV essentially says, I've just graduated and their show will again is all university work. Yeah. So at that level, they're, in my opinion, very important. Mm. When you kind of go up the ladder and you've actually got a strong industry portfolio and you've kind of got a few studios listed on your cv mm. they're far less so but for runners and things like that because because essentially you've got say 10 candidates all apply for a runner role they've all just graduated they've all got university projects <laughs> on their showreel mostly it, mostly probably the same project very similar well. because yeah. yeah you know you get people applying from the same uni um it then does come down to the covering letter yeah. and you know, that is a chance for them to say why they want to work for DNEG. Specifically. Specifically, <laughs> not any of the other studios. You know, I see that a lot. People Dear un- NPC. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately, just they don't check yeah. their application. And, you know, you'd be amazed how often we see that. Yeah. Um, so making sure you've got the right studio listed on there. Um, that you're talking about, you know, essentially how and why you got into visual effects it's your opportunity to get your passion yeah, across yeah. for visual effects, for DNEG, um, and then just talk a bit about you, kind of what you've done. You know, again, you'll see CVs and they'll be like, I was a supervisor, but it was on your university project. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, the level of supervisors we have here at DNEG compared to that are very yeah, different. Yeah. So more of a chance to kind of talk about um what exactly you enjoy and love about the role mm. why why you've got into it and that kind of thing because at that level the runners that we're bringing in are the people that are passionate yeah. because we do so much training with them that you know we can get them to a point based on the stuff that we do internally mm. but you can't teach passion and stuff no. like that like you know so that's where that comes across in a covering letter yeah no, because I was working with, um, I think it's an interesting point with the runners. I was working at a different company a mm-hmm. couple of years ago where they actually had runners that didn't care about yeah. going into mm. effects afterwards. Yeah. I was one, she, she just wanted to be a police officer or something. Yeah. like, why are you <laughs> here? Summer job, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so that's here, you would only bring in runners that are then interested in then moving up and then yeah yeah so historically we've we've always looked at bringing runners in that are interested in 2d 3d and production yeah and then you've got tech run as well um 
because of the way the industry currently is is working and the amount of work that is being distributed around the world we're now fo- and how much production is actually evolving and production at DNEG is just getting bigger and bigger so we're now reducing the number of artist runners that we're bringing in but increasing the amount of production people Mm. that are coming in so they're the people that we're now looking for interesting um so you know people that are wanting to be producers and production managers and coordinators and that kind of thing so now in that area showreels aren't relevant no um then it really comes down to it really comes exactly um tech runners they historically have um you know they have people that are interested more in the kind of technical side so programming pipeline that kind of stuff but have also had a lot of people that are interested in effects go into that because of how technical the effect role Mm. is um they do have a couple of people that are interested in compositing so we'll always you know i'm not going to look at a, a 3d runner application and, you know, their work is incredible. But because that's not DNEG's policy, I'm not going to say no to them. No. If they're amazing, mm. we'll, make, we'll always try and make something work. Yeah. Um, we just have to be conscious of the amount of junior people we've got coming into the business. Realistically, how many of them are going to be able to move up? Because, yeah. Yeah. like you said, you had in your previous company people that didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want that to be a thing. It's stuff. Is this something we've looked at? You know, is it worth us just bringing people in that may might be interested in visual effects? And this is just kind of a chance for them to get that exposure. Yeah. But it doesn't really make sense to bring someone in that's like, meh, nah, no, exactly. not bothered. That's... Like, we want people that are going to give it one hundred and ten percent because they're yeah. interested in being here. And if someone doesn't want to do visual effects, how interested? are they actually going to be in doing the job And it takes really up well. your time as well as a recruiter and yeah. take up space and, yeah. and <laughs> waste space. <laughs> so, so one thing one thing I've had when I've been applying for jobs is a lot of times you don't necessarily hear back yeah. or you it takes a long time for recruiters to get back to you. What's yeah. taking so long, Harriet? Why, <laughs> why, why aren't we the most important thing? On I know, it? and everyone you know, does think they're the most important person. And yes, of course, everyone is very important. <laughs> but... We do get a lot of applications. Yeah. And do you have any numbers on that? Like for if you I like- can so green light because that's recently taken place and yeah. we kind of do track that a lot more regularly because we need to sort of work out each year, mm-hmm. is it worth us doing this, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which universities are we gonna target based on the successful candidates that we've got? So across so we had eight roles, four four for the graduate scheme, four for the internship. So 2D, 3D, CFX and effects for the grads and for the interns. Mm-hmm. So across those eight roles, we had 612 applications. Right. I, me personally, I had to look at every single one of those, <laughs> every single one. Um, and that takes a very long time because, yeah. you know, you're, you're wanting to make sure that you're giving everybody the right same amount chance. Of yeah, the right, right, same amount of time, not just yeah. being like, no, oh, yes, okay. So, yeah, it, it does take a lot. And I recently spoke to someone, you know, oh, I applied for, for Greenlight, but I didn't hear back for ages. And because of the way Greenlight works, we wanted, I wanted to make sure that people all found out at exactly the same time mm. whether or not they'd got in. Yeah. Because quite often, you know, you've got friends applying. Yeah. And if one person hears that they haven't got in, but the other person doesn't hear anything, 
are they going to think that they've got in? But actually, yeah. I just haven't reviewed their application yet. So we waited until every single, yeah. every 612 applications <laughs> were reviewed. And we then shortlisted that down to the 40 people that we invited in mm. for the assessment day. In other roles, yes, we've still got lots of people to to review, but we've also then got the day-to-day stuff of actually taking doing interviews, contacting people for interview, booking those interviews in, internal meetings that take place, sourcing candidates. So we don't just sit and look and reply to applications. No. <laughs> um, when you've interviewed, I mean, typically we'd hope to get back to people if they apply within two weeks, mm. but that doesn't always happen. No. I certain like that is my my ultimate goal is to make sure that someone knows within two weeks of applying whether or not they've got, got yeah. a role. But it doesn't always work out like that. Yeah. Um, once you've interviewed or you've had a pre-screen at least, again, it will always be that we'll try and get back to you within the week because what we want to make sure is that we've spoken to the respective hiring managers, we've talked to them about the candidate and they've also had a chance to make a decision on whether or not they want to bring them in. So it's not always down to recruitment that are making those decisions. Mm. We do have to wait for other people. Mm. So sometimes that delay actually comes from further up and it's not sitting with recruitment. My suggestion would be to, after about a week, send a nice polite email Mm -hmm. just saying, like, I recently interviewed, you said you'd get back in touch, haven't heard anything, what's going on? Again, I say that, we might not be able to get back to it straight away. <laughs> so, you know, without being too pushy, yeah. do check in with recruiters um, and they will reply to you like as soon as they can. I had a candidate from Greenlight that, you know, he was so keen to get feedback um, on why he'd he'd not been successful, but he started leaving letters with reception. Ah. He had friends that worked here. He started getting those friends to email me. And I had to just go back and say, I will reply. I've just got more urgent things that I've got to do. You know, your feedback is very important to you and I will try my best to get some to you. Mm. But I've got to hire roles that started yesterday. And so they take priority. So it's just being a bit more understanding about how much we have to deal with on our side of things. But at the same time, don't don't not take no for it. Like, not no for an answer, but don't not hear anything yeah, back. Yeah. I think you should always try and gain gain updates, but just be mindful of what else we've got going on. Yes. It, it, it does happen. Like, yeah. I, I've, I've tried it myself. You know, you apply to a bunch of companies and half of them you might not hear back from. Yeah. And then on the second email... Like, hey, um, I sent this application. I'm like, oh yeah, sorry, I'll get yeah. back to you real soon. But yeah, and then it happens again. I would love to see a recruiter's inbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's well, one scary. thing I think, is, I think is important for people to realize is it's not a it's not a, an AI with no feelings on the other side. It's it's a it's, real yeah. human with yeah. a real name who likes to go to a pub on Fridays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. we don't interview on weekends. No, exactly. Tries to have a life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like how, how many recruiters do you have to take care of it? Oh yeah. my God. we've So when I first started at DNEG, I was the administrator and I supported three recruiters and one manager who kind of had taken a step back from mm. recruiting. We've now got one, two, three, four, five, six recruiters one manager, one executive resource manager, mm. one resource assistant, and we're hiring for another role. So 
yeah, we've got pretty big, but yeah. we need we need that support because we have hundreds of applicants just for just for the green light. Yeah, stuff, yeah, know, and also it's not so much about looking after candidates externally; it's the amount of involvement that we have here day to day at DNEG and the support that we have to provide to our hiring managers and stuff yeah. like that. So we needed to increase that because we were just, you know, I remember a few years ago of me and a couple of my colleagues would be here every night until about nine o'clock mm. because the That's amount mental. of work that we, we had to do and the amount of hours in a day just didn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to note that like when you're applying, First off, you're not the most important person <laughs> in the world. And second of all, like you have other responsibilities yeah. as a recruiter than just getting, but you're not an email machine. Exactly. You know, so. And Dina is not a small indie company. Like no. in, in this building here, like when I was here, it was early, when I was here a month ago, yeah. <laughs> all the way back in June, in June 18, like there were around a thousand people in the building. Yeah, I think. it's about the same. So around a thousand people here and, and you... How many facilities now? They're like keeping keep adding new facilities here. Yeah, so we've like, got nine global sites. That's insane. So like globally, is it around three and a half thousand? Yeah. So that so growing have, as well. So like that's company, only increasing. It's not decreasing. Yeah. So you have a company with three and a half thousand employees, and you have like, and you have a. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that the recruitment team here is is that big for to handle that sheer number. Mm. I mean, we've bigger. got obviously teams that work in all the other sites, yeah, yeah. but that that's also something for people just to be aware of that if Vancouver have some extremely urgent roles and mm. they're struggling, we support them. Yeah. We then start helping them with their recruitment. We're not just solely focused on our own sites. Mm. We do support everybody everywhere else. So yeah. it may be that Vancouver and Montreal have got a huge drive going on. So therefore there'll be members of the team that have dropped everything in London because yeah. actually it's all very speculative over here. Yeah. And we'll be supporting over there. So there's lots company. of things to consider yeah. when yeah. when applying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, that, that was one thing which actually surprised me. And when I keep telling students how big these companies are, yeah. And I mean, NPC and, and the other studios are and like Framestore, and they're they're pretty much the same size. They might be a bit bigger right now, it seems. But I mean, yeah. they're, they're all massive companies here. Yeah, so, you have departments in. in Canada, I think both Vancouver, Montreal. Yeah, now. both yeah. Vancouver, uh, Montreal. Mumbai as two, well. Two in India. Five in India. Five, five in India. Okay. Five in India because we've now now Jesus Prime Focus Christ. and DNEG have done this right. full ah. merger. There are we've got obviously Mumbai and Chennai that have always been kind of DNEG, but yeah. then there's uh, Chandragarh, Hyderabad, and Goa that do all the stereo conversion. So we've That's kind of you know right. got yeah. them, and also. Uh. LA that does DNEG TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And oh, there's yeah. always, you know, I know that there are always people looking into where else we can expand to. So who knows yeah. what will happen next? Yeah, have like 15 locations next time. We're <laughs> yeah. here. And it's not like the amount of applicants are decreasing because it's just there are more schools popping up yeah, every year. Yeah, more and visual effects up. courses developing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So we do need to obviously think about new ways of making sure that all those graduating people are thinking of DNEG first mm. over every, everyone else. Yeah, that's what we could be going through, like trips to like universities. Yeah, exactly. Brand name DNEG. Yeah. <laughs> like DNEG tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> that really helps. <laughs> oh, it sucks if you got it before you rebranded. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, we did a we did, did a video on like how to get internships like a few months ago now, and oh, I, yes. I, I remember I messaged you, be like, "Yeah, we're doing a video now," and you were like, "No, don't do it," <laughs> because. 
half an hour, literally half an hour <laughs> after we did that, we started recording. The entire website changed. Yeah, and it all totally the, rebranded. Like literally half an hour later, because it, it rebranded from uh, from double negative to just DNEG. Yeah. The website changed. Everything and you were changed. doing actual screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Our like, website. I was like, that no, was like, Henning. That was like the worst time because like, I didn't see your message until <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Terrible time. Yeah, it was funny. Mm. I want to talk a little bit just about the interview process because mm-hmm. uh, whenever I I've, I've had a bunch of interviews in the effects, including with you. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. And <laughs> I think a lot. A lot of people assume that an interview is you're sitting in a dark room, Gestapo style, <laughs> light in your face, light in your face, <laughs> maybe some fire there, and you're being asked questions like, "What is your biggest weakness?" Yeah, and it's just about grilling you. Yeah, but in my experience, it's been way more just about getting to know each yeah. other. So, yeah. so when you when you're interviewing somebody, what what are you really looking for? Like, what is the purpose of the interview? Yeah, in, in your view. So we've recently changed how we interview. We now have this um, pre-screen mm. part of the interview process. I don't think that existed. No, it didn't. So it's only been really going. Is that a Gestapo style? <laughs> no, this that's it's, it that's always house. <laughs> <laughs> pre-screens are always over the phone. Mm. So that's always done without people having to travel over to London mm. or whatever it might be. Um, so that's when we, as recruiters, essentially create that profile to then pass on to the hiring managers. And at that point, it is really informal. It's more about, yes, getting a vibe of who that candidate is as a person. So for me, looking at people that are graduates um, and don't have that experience, my typical process would be to get someone to talk me through university um, and what they what they did. You know, so, so I went to University of Bournemouth and I study visual effects. Uh, yeah and um, so what I want to know is you know what each each year consisted of what type of projects did you work on were they solo projects were they group projects if they were group projects who took a lead role how did you decide who took that lead role so really kind of getting an idea of how university was structured we obviously work with a huge amount of universities. So typically I know exactly how it's structured. Mm, yeah. So I'm just being a little bit annoying when I'm like, <laughs> so come on, talk me through it. But it's really important for me to get their firsthand opinion and their details of how they found the course and stuff. Um, from, from there, and obviously just like briefly talking about their future goals, like where do you want to see yourself progressing, that kind of thing. From interview for the the other roles, you know, sort of 3D, 2D animation and stuff, the pre-screen is similar to kind of um, what I would do, but they talk more about industry experience and types of projects that they've worked on and things like that. And then the hiring managers, when they either meet someone face-to-face or over Skype, they will tend to typically go into more technical information because they're from an artist background they know more stuff like recruitment do all the when are you available what are your salary expectations when can you start that kind of stuff Warrior and then, as a person exactly <laughs> and then the artist managers will be like okay talk to me about the softwares that you've used mm. what troubleshooting have you had to do and kind of do it from that side of things with me and my running roles when people come in face to face it's again we kind of go through all the stuff that I spoke with them on the phone but that's because there's someone new in the interview process who who wasn't in on that call and needs to know everything so we kind of go through all that in a bit more detail we talk about what the role is actually like here um so day to day what a runner can expect to do how it works um 
and how progression links in with being a runner here. You know, if you're an artist runner, you do this training. If you're a production runner, it works like this. And also setting their expectations to be realistic when they join. You know, the one question that I always get asked, how long will I be a runner for? Mm. How long is a piece of string? You know, (laughs) it depends on you. Like, is that candidate sparky, proactive? Mm. Are they going out seeking getting more, you know, exposure to stuff. If they're kind of sitting in the background, bumbling on through, doing the role, they're not going to progress as quickly as someone that's going out and hunting for things to do. I guess it also depends on the schedule. Exactly. Like if- and that was that's the next thing. And is there actually a role for yeah. that person to move up into? If there's not, then you would continue to do training, continue to talk people, meet people. And then as soon as we've got a role, they'll be like, right, you're ready yeah, to yeah. go, you move forward. So we obviously have to take into consideration those two factors. So yeah, it totally depends. I've had people being a runner for a month and I've had people being a runner for 12 months. Yeah, there are people who just they never go up from being a runner yeah, as well. Yeah, and that's stuff that is communicated constantly with um, their artist manager. Um, you know, if is it because maybe they're not getting to grips with the training mm. like the others are? We don't want to keep people as a runner forever no. if they are not succeeding for whatever a reason it might be then that conversation will be had and you know quite often it's like look you might go to a smaller studio and really excel you might just not be getting on here at DNEG. so rather than stunting them and stopping them from going out there's that conversation that has and usually it's a very mutual agreement that okay no. your role here at DNEG finishes but that's never see for it like bye mm. it's stay in touch and we'll we'll see when you get a bit more hands-on experience in the role that you're interested in and you know you can come back in a few years time Mm. and that's the same across every role that's not just running Mm. um you know people coming in as seniors okay you're on a three-month contract that finishes we'll continue to stay in touch oh yeah we need you again can you start yes okay great you start an educational company doing videos on YouTube. Yeah, you and then, <laughs> you know, it might be six months' time, you're totally bored of Flip Normals. So I'll be like, well, great, because we need some people at Dino. So this is not like uh, you have a black book of everyone who left and they're never coming back again. Depends why they left. What if they left to start an educational company? <laughs> no, you're, you're all right, you're all right. <laughs> have you had people like that who they just totally burnt a bridge needlessly? Yeah. That's that's bad. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I won't go into much detail. But <laughs> that's yes. like one of the key, we, the one of the key things we keep talking about in all the videos. Just don't be don't, a dick. Don't be a dick. Seriously, <laughs> yes. I can't stress enough. Like if it's in the interview process or if it's uh, once you're working here or anything like mm-hmm. this industry. Like we say, there are a bunch of people here, but within each like there are a thousand people here but there are so many different jobs here like yeah recruiters, modelers textures all the kind of stuff here within your respective fields like we, we were doing creature modeling here there really were not a lot of creature modelers yeah in the entirety of london maybe there are like 30 of them we know each other yeah if you start yeah. being a dick to people around you like that is exactly that's detrimental and to also we we keep notes you know yeah. we have a database that we write down everything whether yeah. it's good or bad um and we also in talent move around departments so you know i used to look after 3d which is obviously how i know you guys but no longer do but someone might say oh harriet do you know this candidate and i can say yeah they were great or "Hmm, no maybe just avoid that one um but yeah one of your questions that you sent to henning was you know kind of what are red flags and stuff um 
And there were plenty. But, <laughs> um, I think one that I've noticed sort of reoccurring quite recently is um, people being quite negative about their past experiences. Mm. Um, you know, they might come in and name a studio that they previously worked, previously worked at and say how they felt like it was a total shambles and they'd never go back there again. Mm. You, I, I completely understand that that usually tends to come down to being very nervous. You're interviewing for a company you're interested in working for and it's terrifying. And sometimes it is just like word vomit and it's like... <laughs> and it's just, mm. Um, but just people being really negative about the experiences that they've had Mm. and that doesn't paint a good picture you know it will sort of ring a few alarm bells of why are they passing the blame Mm. onto everyone oh well it wasn't my fault it was because that person in the team wasn't pulling their weight put a positive spin on it Mm. be like oh we had this experience where actually someone in the team wasn't putting in as much time and effort but it was a great challenge because it meant all of us had to club together and make sure the work got done. Whereas going like, oh yeah, he didn't do anything until we failed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's also like, then you think about, okay, what if when they leave DNEC, are they just going to go trash DNEC yeah. when they move exactly. to another Exactly. And that has happened before. Oh no. Someone interviewed, someone was here. They then interviewed at another studio not realizing that their interviewer used to work here. Ah, people yeah. move around all the <laughs> yeah. time. That's like, the thing. The, like the, how many studios have we been at? Like both of us, three, four? Something like that. Like yeah. it's, everyone moves around. We've been at the major studios in London. Yeah. yeah. And recruiters also move around. Well, and also, regardless of whether people move around, we, as recruitment teams, we hang out with yeah. all the other studios. You know, we're all, we all go on so many events throughout the yeah. year. We also try and actually get together socially and hang out. Like, we're not mean to each other. We do like each other and we have friendships with them and that kind of stuff. And it turns out there's like a particularly bad apple, you might mention it. Like, we had this guy, like, oh, that guy applied here as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone talks to each other. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially Just, the dick thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it also goes the other way as well. This is something we we yes. we also been talking about. Like if you get a good rep, oh talk, yeah. We're gonna talk about that as well. Like if you yeah. if you are so negative, Harriet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Harriet. <laughs> so, like, oh god, no, absolutely. If you get a good rep here, like that yeah. spreads as well. Yeah. Might spread just as good. I mean, we keep talking about good people all the time. Like, mm. oh yeah, I worked with that guy, he was amazing. Yeah. And uh, that yeah. happens so often. I mean, it might even be more of that yeah. than like just talk, tossing shit around. <laughs> yeah, no, that that does actually happen more yeah. than the bad stuff. Yeah. Like that's what more conversations happen about. But even like talking about communicating with the other studios, you know, when when contracts finish um, here at Deneg and there are loads of people that were like, oh no, we really want to make sure that they're all right. Mm. We do this thing called reverse recruitment and it happens the other way around mm. as well, where every time contracts come to an end, recruiters will email all the other studios and say, we're letting go of X, Y, and Z. Here's their contact details, mm. get in touch mm. with them. So That's cool. we, we do a lot of that and communicate constantly. And you know, when we're looking for urgent roles, one of our port of calls will be to email the contacts we have and say, look, have you got anyone finishing in your environments team that we could consider here? Mm. Sometimes they're like, back off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it's, you know, we we do talk 
about good stuff and about bad stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Your rep is. Your rep is extremely important. important. That is. Yeah. That as is the studios, though, as well. You know, we want to make sure that everyone has a good experience when working at DNEG so yeah, that, like yeah. you said, they don't then go somewhere else and... Trash it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are negative about us as a studio. Yeah, exactly. That is, if you're like a movie executive or listening right now, that is also important. <laughs> yeah. It goes both ways here. And that's one of the things as well with interviews. It does go both ways. It's not yeah. just it's not just uh, Harriet sitting across from you and like, like, do we want this person? It's also, do you want to work here? Exactly. Yeah. Like that yeah. is... Uh, I think that's more probably more so as you progress through yes. your career because in the beginning you're, you're just you should want to work anywhere do anything but I've, actually, I've actually seen that which is interesting people getting picky mm. where it's like Ooh, I don't we didn't want to go it doesn't matter like it's, yeah. if it's a job then you just take it yeah. like if it's a small uh, commercial studio or yeah. something but you really want to do high end VFX you can always transition yeah. into yeah, that yeah and we've had the same kind of um thing with DNEG film versus DNEG TV you know people being like no I don't want to work in TV and it's like TV is amazing TV is amazing and it's (laughs) TV is getting crazy and it's getting the projects that they're working on are insane and they're such a fun team like not that film aren't but you know film are huge that I know far less people (laughs) in film than I do TV but you know what what's wrong with working in TV why are you saying no it's an amazing opportunity and DNEG, film, TV, and feature animation, people move around. You know, you may start in TV, you may then work on film for three months, you may go back to TV. Like, why put up those barriers at such an early stage in your career? Like, it's just crazy. No, go on. The nice thing about having a company that goes into multiple fields like that is also that if film runs out of projects, but TV is missing people, we you're, communicate and we move people around. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I guess technically you're still different companies. No, you, not... No? Uh, no. So we are still one company, okay. but it's just different divisions. Right, okay. So, you know, everyone has their own schedules, um, their own budgets, their own, you know, mm. that kind of thing. They're different benchmarks mm. for salaries. Independent units, essentially. But because now... As recruiters, the way that we work is that I look after layout, but I look after layout for film, TV, and feature animation. Mm. Emily looks after comp, but she looks after comp across all the divisions. Yeah. Whereas before, people, I only looked, I looked after DNEG TV and nobody else did. So I had a really good knowledge of all the 3D candidates across mm. film and TV. But because Emily looked after comp for film and I looked after it for TV, there was always a bit of a barrier and we might be talking to the same person. Mm. So now, you know, it's like film and TV are currently looking for compositors. So therefore Emily has got her TV and film hat on and she is mm. talking to everyone yeah. on the premise that could you be for film or could you be for TV? Mm. So it works much better now. That's nice. It's really yeah. merging into like one thing here. I mean, if you look at TV today, the quality in yeah. some cases better than yeah. film I mean you've got excellent writers and yeah. crazy production value in TV now, and you so. might actually work on something good <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say that the movies we worked on aren't good they're wow. visually very good <laughs> but I'm saying that the IMDb score is around 6.5 <laughs> so I mean it's not it's not fantastic in that regard it, yeah. the projects are amazing to work yeah. on yeah but sometimes we get terrible storylines but we sometimes. know the visuals are gonna be great yeah yeah, yeah exactly but yeah, you know, we haven't written the story. No. But then exactly. it's still like, oh, that was a crap film. But the visual effects were great. I think that, that's actually one important thing. I think thing that sums well. up my career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gods of Egypt. Oh, God. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> there are a bunch of people who they're, they're like, oh, VFX, that's, that's a very creative field. And it can be. But if you think that you can influence the, the end quality of the movie, yeah. like if you think you can, you can actually have a big dent in the box office or if the Oscars. Yeah. For VFX, yes, you absolutely can. But when it comes to the writing or the casting or anything like that, it that's might be a, no. That's not us. It might be a place to start. There are a bunch of, of good artists who became directors, like Neil Blomkamp and I think a guy called Wes Ball who did the Maze Runner movies. Mm. Yeah, so, who started as VFX artists. But um, you're not going to be doing story here. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> How much time do we have? How much time do we five have? Five minutes. We have five minutes. Oh wow. Okay. Do you oh, have any? It's flown by. Yeah, I know. So you also need to get some food at some point as well. <laughs> Excellent uh, food as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have any any questions or is any no questions? Do you have anything you want to bring up? Uh, any anything which is on your anything you want to ask us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, that takes me on to one of a, yeah a good example. So during the interview process, you know, we always ask people, "Do you Six have any questions <laughs> for us?" And what do you say? I never know what to say. It's a- quite often. We have actually answered all those questions during the interview process, yeah. and that's always great because it means we've done our job properly. Yeah. But say that, say, I had all these questions, but actually yeah. you've answered them during this interview. You know, that's great. My favourite question, and I feel a bit, do I say this? Because now everybody's going to know it. <laughs> oh, like a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> is um, people asking me and whoever I'm interviewing is with why I like working at d Ah. You know, it's it's nice, and then it, yeah. we get to talk about actually what we really enjoy about being at Dneg. Um, so yeah, just kind of flipping the table. You know, it doesn't have to be about the role. You know, it can be a personal question. You know, how did you get into Dneg? Mm. And then I can sit there and I can talk about my experience. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be like when will I progress? How much money will I get? Yeah. Mm. You know, think of something outside the box Mm. um and it's just a little bit more gives you a more a better idea of what it's actually like to work here because you know i could say so much stuff about how great it is and we do all this (laughs) i could be lying i mean i'm not but i could be yeah um so you know spinning it around to be a personal question to whoever is interviewing you Mm. um and it kind of you know it's like oh you want to know about me, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. You feel important. Exactly, <laughs> I feel important. Yeah. But I think that's one one of the nice things about interviews in VFX is that it feels very informal. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like a, you come into the interview room, room and it's like, oh, I have all these goals, and I've yeah, got, it's like it's just a conversation. That's yeah. how it's been for me at least. Yeah, no, time. and that's definitely the message that we want to get out. And um, you know, one of your questions, Henning when you sent me the list through was what do you wear to an interview <laughs> I mean if you want to wear a suit fine but don't we don't we're not that kind of a company we're, no. we're a studio we're creatives you know yeah. what you just you need to make sure is that you're presentable yeah. you know you're smart casual jeans t-shirt I think I've seen you with a pink dungarees pink dungarees yeah. nothing wrong with that what's you a, know what's a dungaree you know like the overalls that Oh. Like a baby grow. Oh, right, okay, yeah. <laughs> I know they work because I was asking, what is what is Oh, yeah, yeah, wearing? yeah. On one of our tips. You were like, what are you wearing? What's a dark green? Yeah. So, yeah, just as long as you're smart and presentable, you don't need to worry about wearing a suit. There are some roles in the business that maybe that does work yeah. better for. If you apply for the executive role at DNA. Yeah, and just, you know, like finance-based stuff. Yes. It's always a bit, you, you know. got to wear a suit there, because otherwise, <laughs> how can you input stuff in a spreadsheet if you yeah. aren't wearing Possible. it in <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
I think a lot of what released from a lot of people wear suits is because uh, they're talking to their parents. Oh, I have into a D-neck. Well, son, you gotta make sure to <laughs> wear a suit. Don't borrow your dad's ill-fitting suit. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> when he got a job so. in 1962, <laughs> yeah. you had to wear a suit to interview. Yeah, it's no, a- it's not like that. And you know, again, when people start at D-neck, they're like, oh, what should I wear? Runners, you've just got to be comfy on your feet because you are yeah. constantly running around. But, you know, we get people that what they're comfortable wearing to work every day is a, sh- yeah. uh, a suit. I didn't wear shoes while I worked. <laughs> yeah, you, neither of you wore shoes. <laughs> Why they're would walking you wear around sh- in their socks again. Why would you wear shoes when you're inside? I feel like this is something I need to push to the world. <laughs> I mean, I've done it from time to time, but the looks I get, it's like, oh, sorry. Uh, comments, and, but whatever. It's so comfortable. Yeah, so. but no, as long as, you know, you're not causing any offence to to people with your outfit. Let me see how smelly feet. <laughs> with your leg of shoes. Oh, we have a friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he should always wear shoes over yeah. he should always wear shoes so I think we have a couple of guys outside giving me mean looks now oh really but, uh, the meeting I, ring I think we have a minute now like um, I think the last thing I want to I want to plug here is just I mean we, we both worked for quite some time mm. I mean just a free DNIC plug for for you I mean I know you keep <laughs> plugging flip normals all the time so yeah come well, like, on yeah, plug I mean, away yeah I mean I, both I, had a, I heard a really good time here it was a really good studio it was a very humane element to it mm. um a bunch of really cool people. Yeah. Super nice building with a cafe and yeah. <laughs> a bunch of stuff. A free beer and pizza every every month. Yeah. There's so much pizza. Yeah. I, it's crazy. Like when you have a building with a thousand people. Yeah. And when they bring in the it's just crazy. Can, can we still come for that? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. I mean, you do get people that it's like you don't work here. <laughs> and I, think, I feel like people would know if we didn't work mm. here anymore. Like, like, yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, but people. My sisters come to beer and pizza before. <laughs> they would come for beer and pizza. But yeah, thank you, Harriet. This was this was really enlightening. My pleasure. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, it helps your listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you, as a listener, have any questions, yeah. like uh, feel free to scream, scream out, uh, leave, a, yeah. leave, a, leave a comment. We'll. Um, try to get back we'll we've try to get back so yeah there's so, yeah, there's so many exactly you know how it feels now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we try to get back to everyone at least we don't have to hire them yeah, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah true. we're not giving an offer <laughs> but yeah so thank you so much for for listening to this cool and uh if you if you liked it uh make sure to like comment and subscribe Ooh, thanks guys thank you bye <laughs> <laughs>